When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wollongong City GWM's play clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Oh yeah, it's a day of celebration here on Saturdays in the gong. The Illawarra Hawks have punched their ticket to the NBL Finals. Rugby League is back, baby. And the good horses will be running around at Flemington and Randwick. You're listening on SEN Track Illawarra 1575 in Sydney for the first hour on 1170. The app and the website... I'm Tim Barrow. Joining me this morning is the Illawarra Mercury Senior Sports Writer, Mitch Jennings. Good morning, Jenno. Good morning, Baz. And Fox Sports Broadcaster, fresh from the Indigenous All-Stars Night, Matty Russell. Good morning. Tim Barrow, Mitch Jennings. Good morning to you. An emotional morning in the Russell household. The baby of the family, 17-year-old Toby, leaving for Costa Rica indefinitely. I said, mate, slap bang in the middle of the drug highway. You're going to be safe. He assures me he is. He and a friend volunteering at a bee slash honey farm. He's shooting some content for them. So who knows when we'll see young Toby again. What's the uh, rugby league structure in Costa Rica? Uh, They've got about three grades and uh, they're looking for expansion and they hope to host the NRL season opener in 2032. There's a market. You can't tell me PVL won't want to go over there and get into the Costa Rican market. Once they take over America, South America is the next frontier. Everything becomes open, doesn't it? I mean, once you've... uh, you've You've taken over the US. Just yeah. take the rest of the yeah. Americas. Marking the white lines will be interesting. I don't know what the ga- I don't know what the gambling. I hear a lot of it happens in cash, and it's big. <laughs> and if you don't in pay the up, Americas, there's yeah. a problem. Well, a big problem. I haven't seen. There's nothing that uh, PVL can't do yet. So I can see him conquering all of America. We're here from. Oh, thanks to uh, Wakeling Automotive, home to your next new car. Wollongong City GWM's plate clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to four thousand this month. And we're live from the Wollongong Golf Club, the tap-in terrace at the 19th hole. Boy, Thanks. it's steamy, Bats. Oh, yeah, you're melting. It is it's steamy. Turkey people off. can't see, obviously, we're not a visual medium, thank God. But uh, obviously, yeah, me and Baz, we, we come in and bit a casual kid. Matty Russell, always the ultimate professional. You look like you'd be running sideline I'm, I'm as bound, you are, Matty. I'm bound for industry group stadium at Gosford from here. I've got to go yeah. hard from here. So I'm in my suit, and boy, I tell yeah. you what... Mm. It's steamy. Big day with the Knights and the Sharks there at, uh, at Gosford. Should be a cracking way to, to start the year for you, Matty. Four games end-to-end today, so it certainly is a super Saturday to get us going on Fox League. First up, Knights, Sharks, then Roosters, Seagulls. Both those games at Gosford. Isn't that a beautiful ground up there? I always look forward to going it there. It is. It's absolutely spectacular. It's great to see. That it doesn't get enough footy. That's a great region, the Central Coast Rugby League region. Do they so take the source bottles away? Uh, they're gone. They're yeah. gone. So you can look out over Brisbane water through those magnificent palm trees, whatever their, their correct title is. But the, yeah. the backdrop, it's just a beautiful ground. And then we come back to Netstrata Jubilee for the Charity Shield this evening following Parramatta against the Raiders. So there's your menu today on Fox League. Night Sharks, Roosters, Sea Eagles, Eels, Raiders, Rabbitohs, Dragons. What did you say off the top? 
Rugby League is back. It's back, baby. Now, I've got a question before we get into the All-Stars and the Charity Shield. Now, given that Josh Adokar scored two tries last night and the Bulldogs beat the Storm on Thursday night, do we just pack it all up and give the Bulldogs the premiership and go home now? I said last week, sure enough, I was at the basketball. (laughs) I was working hard. My phone lit up. A message from Tim Barrow. We'll win the comp from here. Wolf, wolf, hashtag NRL24. (laughs) Got to love it. We're away for the year. Um, yeah, well, look, it was just good to watch. I think they've uh, showed some impressive signs. They had some good structure. They had some, uh, some, you know, bit of grit about them for a first first game up. And there's plenty of Storm players to come back. So let's let's not get too carried away. It's... I love that. Let's not get too carried away, Mister. We're going to win the comp from here, but let's not get carried away. I'm not going to say we're going to win three but... straight. That'll be carried away. Uh, but it was interesting <laughs> that even in that first trial, we saw something that we just didn't have in the back end of last year, and that was. Just you know, just a bit of go about it. I just love the highlights of the game already. We're three games in. We've got uh, we've got Pappenhausen flying through to score an eye-catching try. We've got Jamie Chapman streaking away in the women's All Stars. We've got Josh Adokar breaking into the Indigenous dance as he scores a double. I- Highlights already at the start of a long, long year. I'm convinced that the Premiership proper will again be so close. So close, even even closer than last year. As you're looking at the numbers and the players and the movement and crunching all the numbers, it's going to be a thrilling, thrilling season. You know what the NRL needs to do? One thing I've loved this year, of course, Matty, our other vocation, primary vocation, is covering the NBL. And obviously that's that's ridiculously close. The NRL won't go close to that. That can change mm. That can change on a basket, which has been so interesting about this last part of it. But that live ladder. How yeah. good is that in game? Well, obviously it's good for us in, in us in the professional sense because we can actually follow what's going on. But the live ladder for the fans, it's fantastic. Where would it be now? I know they do that on on Fox, but I think the NRL should do it on the get something going there because I've loved the live ladder. We do the live ladder that. in the back end of the season. It's yeah. it's really good. I want to ask you to a different question, and again I'll use our NBL experience over summer leaning into NRL as we go to. Uh, expansion and more teams if we stick with a top eight say in an 18 or 20 team competition should we consider a play-in scenario which I was dead set against in the NBL I hated it when it first came out I admit I was wrong it's been fantastic for the competition fantastic for the fans and the and the clubs all of a sudden I've swayed. I'm a fan of a play-in scenario, Mitch. I'm not in the NRL at all. I don't like the idea of a play-in. I, I actually not don't now. Like, what I, about 20 teams? If you've got a top I eight still, still and you I, make it a play-in between nine and ten or something like that. If we're getting the 20, I'd consider it. But I don't. I like a ruthless finals cut. I reckon finals should mean something. I don't think at the moment when we've had a top eight for a long time, it's it's rewarded mediocrity. Teams have got in there when they shouldn't have, and yet coaches survive on making the finals and all this type of... I've written about it extensively. I don't like the top eight system. I, don't, I think it rewards mediocrity at the bottom end of uh, the, the, the finals there. They might get a, a puncher's chance. I think back to a couple of years ago, the Titans scraped in with a... Uh, the record, I think, was 10 and 14. They lost four more games than they've won. And they're in the finals, and they almost had it. it was the last the Patrick Herbert the Roosters. fade when they didn't against have the Roosters. And I remember there and said they could have made the second week of the finals against the wounded Roosters. All of a sudden, we're saying how fantastic! Let's well, the NBL's got ten teams and all this. Uh, you know. They've only got ten teams. They've got a six-team postseason, so which is too, which is too many. I've, I've, I've you love the playing scenario in the NBL, don't I you? Say it's ordinarily it's too many, but the way the NBL works with all the multiple games, how how close it is, the system it is set up. I think, and all you earn. Uh, if you make the top six, is, a, is an elimination game, really. You've got one swing at it. It still rewards the top end that have won the most games and have earned where they are. I don't think the NRL top eight system does that. I think it's for a long time 
rewarded mediocrity. I haven't loved a top eight. Of course, I'm what reconsidering. I, I am getting saying you'd teams. have to rejig the top eight yes. system to have the playing scenario. But anyway, it's probably down the track once we go to they more had a teams. Top Ten years ago, when obviously in '98, when the Super League and ARL came back together, there were 20 teams. We hadn't had any of the the mergers or the folding yet. And there was a there was a 10 team finals, mm. a top 10. Well, that's my case for it because you take you back to 1998. The Bulldogs finished ninth that year and made the grand final where they lost to the Broncos. So that's the case for they hadn't earned their shot. All that's about timing your run. Shot. Make the postseason, time your run, and who knows what happens. Absolutely. Well, talking about starting of their run, St George Illawarra kickoff tonight, Charity Shield. Where do we expect the starting point here with the Dragons? Mitch, you're the expert here. You've been prowling Wynn Stadium, you're looking right. through the fence, pestering Flano. Pestering Flano. You don't have to pester Flano. He's a very sociable guy. He comes yeah. up and says g'day. It's not really hard to extract a whole bunch of information out of Flano. He's a marked difference from, obviously, the, the Anthony Griffin years, two very different different personalities, but I'll, I'll be very curious. I've, I've always said I have uh, a bit of a, a love-hate relationship with the Charity Shield just as a contest because for so many years it's been the most talked about trial game. It's been the one that's sort of the unofficial, the soft launch of the NRL season and the amount of tantrums and fans throwing toys out of the cot over a trial game uh, it's really sort of rubbed me the wrong way and made it, you know, I, I don't always love the Charity Shield, but I think now that it's fitting in a broader schedule of pre-season games, that probably tempers it a little bit. Uh, look, South Sydney obviously aren't quite nudging where they're at uh, with, their, with their top team. And I think we saw it the other night with the Bulldogs. I think trials uh, for some teams matter very little. I don't think for the Penrose, I don't think for Melbourne the other night. They know what they're about. They know where they're gonna, where the pieces are going to fit and where they're going. I think they do matter in a great deal for teams like St. George Illawarra, like the Bulldogs, like the West Tigers, who uh, are coming into a season and need to show some signs of life. They need to get some belief going. They need to get the fans on board with them, which is what I was talking about with the Charity Shield. It often can <laughs> send the Red V faithful a bit batty before we even kick the ball in the season proper. But... I'll be very curious. Again, I know we touched on it last week, but it's the it's the talking point about it. And it was when I say talking point, it was quite interesting because this week Dragons had an open media day. The talk around the Dragons is what's going on with this with Lomax on the wing, slowing at fullback, the switching. What's going to happen? Uh, Zach Lomax obviously asked about that by just about every reporter that spoke with him, and he didn't want a bar of it. I'm not going to talk about positions. I don't want to. He politely he wasn't he wasn't surly, and, and but he he didn't want to entertain that discussion. And I was. Very interested in it, but you think back to the, the his recent history. You know, he was obviously ordained as the fullback under Paul McGregor, but that changed along the way. Then he, he found his his niche at right centre. Him and Michaela Ravalawa on that edge were probably the only thing that's been truly bank, bankably solid for the Dragons in recent years. Last year, Anthony Griffin moved him to the left. There wasn't a lot of communication about that at the time. Then he got punted. Even less communication when he got put to reserve grade. Comes back to the right edge and now adjusting to the wing, I can understand why he wouldn't be all that interested in the conversation but we can talk about it, gentlemen what do you make, what are we going to, what are we going to oh. see I spoke to Tyrell Sloan as well before uh, just as, and he, he's preparing to play fullback he's pre all pre-season to be a full-time fullback, also not very expansive on what the switching is going to look like, what do you think we're going to see from Zach Lomax on the wing? Having heard Flano speak recently, having bumped into Shane Flanagan, I'm convinced Tyrell Sloan is his preferred man to play number one. It's a, it's a big start to the season for South Sydney, isn't it, after the way they crushed, crashed last year. I'm not saying it's a big game tonight necessarily or even next week, but certainly the first eight weeks of the Premiership proper are really important for Coach Dimitri and the South Sydney Rabbitohs. When it comes to the Dragons... Dragons fans listening to this, they're going to watch tonight on Fox League. Who's a player or players 
the, the coach or the team has singled out as, as being someone to, to watch in these trial games? Is there, is there one that jumps to mind, Mitch? I'm going to go for a real smoky. Obviously, we're going to see the existing players that we know about and what they adjust. Like I said, the, the intrigue around that fullback wing switch. A smoky for you I'm going to throw in is Dylan Egan. Has uh, turned some real heads in pre-season. And he did so last year. Uh, I think he's in the he's in the 17. He was a smoky for round one. We heard a couple of weeks ago. I spoke to him about it, and he said the first I'd heard from that was in the paper. So that was <laughs> exciting. But if we're looking for a, a smoky, uh, he might be one that's interesting to watch. And there's some hist- recent history as far as people do emerge in these trials. Remember, we we weren't all that familiar. Obviously, in Wollongong, yes, but. The broader Dragons fan base weren't all that familiar with a Ryan Catchman and a Toby Catchman before, obviously, the game with uh, St Helens and obviously moved on and uh, forced their way into a into a into the regular 17 or somewhat regularly into the 17. So uh, he's the smoky. I'm going to throw I'm okay. going to throw him out there. Remember Talis Duncan? He put his hand up during last season's pre-season challenge and emerged as the season went on. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play this year for South Sydney. What about from the Dogs' perspective, Baz? Did you have uh, who, who stuck their hand up? this time last year that then emerged and, and going forward was there someone on Thursday night that appealed to a Dogs fan like yourself? Oh, just, I was just in my mind comparing the Dragons and the Bulldogs and the place they're in like you talk about Lomax and Sloan I mean obviously you've got to get that right and we talked about Jack Bird definitely being in the centres you've got to get the best out of Zach Lomax because he should be in the prime of his career Tyrell Sloan if he's going to be the fullback he needs to go to another level particularly defensively you, you compare that to the Bulldogs I mean Blake Taft started at fullback um, Drew Hutchinson was safe reliable um, in his stint the other night uh, Alex Sexton was the pick of the halves when he came on he made a real impact um, what Scott- about Bronson Cherry Mm, he what was did you make of him as a Bulldogs fan? I was surprised how far along he is. Not so much in terms of fitness. Um, he's obviously, you know, he's, he's physically ready to go. Mm. But I just thought his football smarts were quite sharp, which I just, you know, given he's been off for so long, I thought that that would take a, a, a lot longer to, to bring along. So I think he's put his hand up and, and he's, you know, in the mix for round one for sure. He's bulked down. If you look at what he was when he was still a couple of, in the midst of that suspension when he was NRL was still quite some time away, he, he bulked up to a huge degree. He's actually bulked down for the NRL. Not many players <laughs> end up doing a lot of that because I, I know you've spoken about it a lot, Baz. We actually have a very, have a different opinion. I thought Blake Taft was pretty solid, um, but I, I like Stephen Crichton at fullback. I think if you've got a guy like that, you've got a marquee guy, he's done it at, at rep level. I've always thought He's, he's got to be the fullback. You've got to get the ball in his hands as much. You want him to have a roving commission. I know we differ on this, Baz, because you said often, I think he's got to stay in the centres. But for me, he'd be my fullback at the docks. Yeah, I, I was always supportive of him playing in the centres because he is the best defensive centre in the competition and he's done so much for Penrith. I mean, his form at the end of last season was just amazing. But there is a bit of an argument that, you know, my head's sort of been turned towards him going to fullback because... When you're on that sort of money and you're a marquee recruit, I mean, the role of centre is probably less crucial uh, in the structure of the team. I mean, there's an argument now that you know a winger has sort of got a more important role, um, both in attack and defence, than, than a centre. So, you know, do you give Crichton the opportunity to go and prove himself at fullback, given that you know what you're going to get from him if he does shift back to the centres? Good I'd question. Like, mm, I'd like to see it. I'd I'm like inclined to, see to answer, yes. Yes, I think so as well. But it is, you raise an interesting point, Baz, because I guess that's the interesting question or what clubs do. As you said, Stephen Crichton to the Bulldogs, they're going to have to pay some decent money to pry any of those players away from that 
uh, all-conquering Penrith mm. side. You have to play pay overs to get guys from that from that team to another team. But how much can that influence your selection policy? We heard. I remember the first time you heard about all this years ago at the Dragons when Josh Dugan was there and he'd been he was starting to play centre at Origin level. He was really very effective at centre for the Dragons. But when he was off contract. He was adamant that he wanted to be a fullback because that's when we started hearing first about fullback money, 5-8 money, centre money. And as you said, Baz, it's, it's changed the centre position a bit like, I think it's reflected in the forwards now. The big money forwards uh, are your typical, your elite middles. You know, you're Payne Haas and before that, Jason Malolo. So the change goes, you know, forwards and backs. But it's, a, it's an interesting point. I don't know as a coach how much you should wrestle with, you know, centre money, fullback money. We're paying him this much. He needs to be here. Or whether you just go with your gut and say, I think he'll be best here. It's, it's a juggling act. You mentioned the all-conquering Penrith team. They're in action next weekend. World Club Challenge against Wigan. I mentioned the four games this afternoon. Baz, tomorrow, three more. Warriors, Wests, Tigers get us going. We get to see Benji Marshall's Tigers for the first time this season. Into Cowboys, Broncos, Dolphins, Titans. So a real Queensland feel to tomorrow's offering on Fox League after we start in New Zealand. Well, let's head to a break because we're going to come back and talk about old the old Alex, man. The, the old, old man. man. The old man is back. <laughs> Alex Volkanovsky's fight tomorrow. Geriatric. Wollongong City GWM's play clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Wollongong City GWM's play clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. in the gong with thanks to Wakeling Automotive home to your next new car Wollongong City's GWM plate clearances on now drive away and save up to $4,000 this month we're here live at the Wollongong Golf Club the tap-in terrace at the 19th hole and we're hitting them with our best shot Matt Russell Mitch Jennings and Tim Barrow Alex Volkanovsky makes his return he's back in his weight division but he's taking on a rising undefeated fire fighter, Mitch Jennings. What, what's your take for the big fight? Oh, but it was. Oh, I can't wait for one because I'm like everybody that's a, a pretty rabid Alex Volkanovski fan. I want to get him in the cage and just shut this bloke up. He's Ilya Tapuria. <laughs> Ilya Tapuria. <laughs> what do you know doing... about Ilya Tapuria? Well, he has been very good in what he's in what he's done to get to this position. Where's but, he from, firstly? Well, he's a Georgian-born Spaniard. So that's exotic. It is exotic. But he's, he comes in and he's coming undefeated. He's young. He's hungry. And this is what, if you're a long-reigning champion like Alex Volkanovski is... Uh, that's what you measure yourself by as champions. It's seeing off multiple generations of fighters in that weight class and having this long reign. And I think a lot of champions have gone away from that. I think fighters, fans to a degree, and fighters are over-enamoured with champ-champ and double-champ status. You've got people wanting to have one defence in their weight class, then they want to chase a fight up a division and everything else. And I think we've, they've gone too far down that path. And I think the champions, and I think people like Volk, They'll, they'll measure themselves when their legacy will be the dominance they've had over a division. You can look at people like John Jones and people like George St. Pierre, and they'll double champs in a, in a bit of a bucket list type fashion. But when we talk about them when they're done, it's the dominance, it's the streak of dominance, the run of dominance in a division uh, that 
people remember them for and that's how that's how Volk wants to be remembered and that's to do that that's what you do at 35 now and he took the piss out of that I'm sure we'll talk about that as well he took it piss out of it in hilarious fashion but that's that's what you measure yourself by as a champion 35 this guy 27 he's young he's hungry he's undefeated can you go in there and, and see him off uh, and that's what you measure champions by it's certainly what Volk measures himself by Where's the Volkanovski headspace at? I mean, you've you've had a lot to do with him, the Windang Gym. He's obviously a hero in the Illawarra here. But, you know, he took the fight at short notice. He went up the division. He sort of got rocked probably for the first time in his life. He's had a bit of time to recover. But, you know, it's a big big test for him just to sort of come back and know that he's still got it. Yeah, it's interesting. That it's added the intrigue to this build-up. Obviously, a fight was mooted between these two guys uh, right after Volk... Uh, saw off Yaya Rodriguez uh, in that title defence. He carried an elbow injury into that, so he was always going to have a bit of time off after that. And there was talk that Tapiri would be next up, and the, most of the talk was this will be Volk by what he wants, when he wants. People weren't really giving Tapuria much of a chance. But you throw in the fight, you throw in the stoppage loss, uh, took it on 12 days' notice, but that's just people just seem to forget about. I mean, and, it, and it's something that we, we demand of fighters. We often have this anywhere, any place, any time mentality. Uh, that we don't really ask of other athletes in any other sport. We're not asking Emma McKeon to, to get off the couch and go and break a world record. But that's essentially what Alex Volkanovsky was trying to do in taking on Islam Makasha, but a weight division up on 12 days' notice. It was a, an incredibly ballsy thing to do. And, it, and look, it didn't come off. But to suggest that because of that, he's going to come back to a division that he's looked untouchable in and he's going to be vulnerable, I just, I just don't tend to buy it. I think, and I think uh, it, that's why... He's been so funny. He had, a, he had a hilarious joke. I don't know if you gentlemen saw it the other day. He told a story about being at home and he's obviously got young daughters and they sat there and said, oh, is the window locked? Oh, I'm, I'm scared. And Volk said, look, I'm, I'm the world champion. I think we'll be all right. And she said, what if Islam Makashev comes through the window? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> but he one. told that story. He put it out there. Uh, he, his ego uh, isn't fragile as a result of that loss. And as we see now, he's, he's taking the piss with this old man Volk thing. And oh, I loved it. And... I've said Ilya Tapuri is trying to do this, this Conor McGregor light type thing. He's got this confidence. He's wearing the suits. He's talking this huge game. Uh, he even tried it with the uh, reaching over and grabbing the belt, as Conor McGregor famously did in the lead-up to the Jose Aldo bout. But the way Volk came out, dressed as old Volk, he was falling asleep on his chair. Now, let, let's set that up, Mitch. Let's set that up. Ilya Tapuria <laughs> described Volk as being an old man, geriatric, and Volk then bought into that. And we've seen the sports bet ad where he's dressed as a, a Grandpa Volkanovsky pottering around the house. He turned up to the uh, press conference, decked out in the same kit. I'm convinced, because I'm a body language expert, as you all know, I'm convinced Volk is now in Tapuria's head. I think this has backfired on the Georgian Spaniard. I 100% agree with you, because Volk isn't really one typically for pre-fight Shenanigans. And he, well, it's impossible Hijinks. to get in his head. He said it before. Max Holloway probably tried something similar before their third bout, getting the crowd involved and really trying to put that pressure back on him. And I remember him saying, it didn't work. You can't bring them in with you. And we all saw what happened in that third fight. And I think it, he looked rattled to me, to Puria, in the press conference. He came and was probably going to want to antagonise the champion. And the way the vault, vault came out taking the piss out of it, it completely took the wind out of Tapuria's sails. He couldn't antagonise him. He couldn't create tension the way he probably wanted to. And, you know, put, you can chalk it up to experience. He's been through a lot of title fights now, Volk. But it was... It was I, don't, I don't even know if he meant it that way, if that was his intention. But I'll tell you what, it was, 
I think it's had the impact because Tapuria to me looked looked rattled uh, at the end of it. I think, as you said, I think Volk is in Tapuria's head and not the other way around. And Baz, I pity the poor petty thief who tries to sneak in Alex Volkanovsky's window. <laughs> oh, all that find is wouldn't happen in Windang. Couple of eyebrows, that's all, and fingernail, maybe a toe. <laughs> that's all that'll be left. Well, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just glad that when Volk does call it a day, he's got an acting career there waiting for him because he has been outstanding. <laughs> and he's nailed it. With yeah, yeah, it was that, it was really good, and I think he's done it really. He's had a lot of fun without getting too distracted in what the challenge is for tomorrow. All right, we're going to head to the news because Matty Campbell, our co-host here on Saturdays in the Gong, he's on his way to Sydney Airport this morning. They're heading to Melbourne, the Illawarra Hawks, to play their last regular season game. So we'll try and track him down and talk about the Hawks going for the playoffs. Wollongong City GWM's play clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. It's a Saturday's in the gong basketball anthem. Oh. Shoot to thrill a Matt Russell playlist special. The world is a good place when I hear that song. Oh, and why not be pumped up on a Saturday morning? The Illawarra Hawks have got their ticket in the NBL playoffs. It's one of the great comeback stories in Australian sport from 2-7. and seven. They are now there at, uh, what are they, 14 and 13 with one to play. 12 so. and 6 under Justin Tatum. He's the interim coach still. Hot mail is that he'll be named Coach of the Year tomorrow night at the Gazies, the MVP Awards. When was the last time an interim coach of any competition around the world was named Coach of the Year? Give us a ring oh, or text 0457 736 736. When was the last time it happened? I'm sure it's happened somewhere. Maybe in Costa Rica or somewhere like in, that. In Costa Rica Rugby League. That's we did it. get behind that fairy That's tale. That's, that, that'll get us into Travel the Costa well, Rican Toby. market for Rugby Travel League. Well. Absolutely. All right. Well, joining us on the line now is probably the happiest general manager of basketball anywhere in the world. Uh, it's been a huge performance to lock in that finals. And uh, good morning to you, Matt Campbell. Uh, morning, boys. Yes, what a turnaround, hey? It's been massive, mate. I mean, we all followed it. Um, we're all Hawks fans at heart, aren't we? And just to watch the the transformation of a team, the confidence that they have, uh, you know, the times that Gary Clark's carried them on their back, Sam Froling's been outstanding at times, Tyler Harvey. Uh, I thought Justin Robinson had some really good minutes yeah. the other night too. So there's a lot of uh, moving parts that have come together, haven't they, Matt? Yeah, it is, and um, I mean, and it's a really good point. And it's on the back of obviously Justin Tatum um, empowering the playing group, and what you were seeing is, is is the guys really standing up. And I, I think we've only really scratched the surface. I think there's some improvement to go. Um, as you said, Justin Robinson has been um, quite good in patches um, since the transformation coming off the bench, and I think he's doing a fantastic job of starting to understand that. You know, he, he could carve out a very nice career either here in Australia or into Europe being a, a very good uh, role player at that level. Um, so I think he can give us a little bit more. HJ Lee's been a little bit down, um, but um, Gary Clark's been fantastic, in the, especially in the last sort of six to eight games. Um, Sam Froling's been a little bit down too, just in this last little bit of run. So well, I, I actually do see some improvement in the team still, still to be had. 
improvement, but I reckon you're the hottest team in the league. Melbourne have had some late season wobbles. Perth, likewise, they haven't been able to string them together. So I reckon the Hawkies right now are the hottest team in the league. Is that why I saw the general manager still drinking schooners at 11 o'clock on Thursday night at the Steelers Club, Matthew? <laughs> Mate, I was happy to uh, get myself a nice little ale on the way back from the game. Um, well game deserved. Year, well obviously deserved. Very important, <laughs> very important game. Um, from where we stood and, uh, you know, put us into the finals. We still don't know where we land yet. Um, one more game to go tomorrow. And uh, New Zealand uh, put a bit of a... Um, made it a little bit more difficult for us with their good win over Brisbane last night. So it's a, it's a challenging year where we've still got two more days to go in the season and we don't know what the actual ladder looks like going into the finals. Well, Mitch Jennings, we were there on Thursday, and I think we're both in agreement. So that's the best atmosphere we can remember at a Hawks game for a long time. Yeah, certainly, certainly regular season atmosphere. Obviously, it was essentially a playoff game. You're trying to get, you know, the, you book your your playoff spot, and we've spoken about it a lot the the fans, the atmosphere. And you spoke about it going from from two and seven, Baz. What you've got to remember, and I think what can explain, I guess, the push now in the fairy tale element to this is it was it wasn't two and seven. It was five and thirty one. This is what the fans were enduring. This is what we were seeing because of what they'd had the season before. So that's where these fairy tales come from. You've got you've got to look at it that way. If you want to explain, we were talking about it, Matty. The, they had a great side under Rob Beveridge. I covered that team. The big three are Prime Ogilvy, mm. Lish, Penny. Uh, obviously, when you've got the goat there, you've got Brian Gorgian there for a couple of years. They were they were title favourites for a lot in that in that second season under Gorge. So there's been push and it's been good, but it hasn't necessarily had that fairy tale element that this one has. This is a team that's gone from five and thirty one to the playoffs, twelve and six under Tatum and giving themselves a shot at winning the title. And you've got to without being too hyperbolic there, you've got to think that way. How good a how good a side Perth have been this year. Hawks have absolutely had their measure and it hasn't been, you know, ramshackle sides or, or stars sitting out or anything like that. They've gotten by 52 points over three the games. The three biggest defeats by to Perth this year have been inflicted by the Hawks and Matt Campbell. I mentioned uh, Justin Tatum. I think he's got that Greg Norman type physique and aura. I reckon he's very comfortable in his own skin. He's got absolutely no crap about him at all. It's a remarkable story. What do you add? What do you add about Coach Tatum, who'd never coached a pro sports team before and who came here as a consultant and is now looking at being Coach of the Year? Yeah, look, uh, what a what a remarkable uh, turnaround um, he's been able to do with the team. And, yeah, as you said, he came out here as an advisor, a US-based advisor to, to help us with our recruitment back into the States and loved the, loved the gong and uh, sort of sort of sparkled it from there. We, we talked about, you know, his, uh, what his goal in life was to, to get to sort of NCAA, potentially NBA level as a, as a coach and... He needed that experience at um, sort of pro level to be able to, to put that on his resume, and that's how it all sort of started. And, you know, under Jacob Jacobus, he was he was starting to grab traction um, up until we made that change. And, um, yeah, the way that he took over and uh, it, um, really put a bit of a spin of, of, of some of the U.S.-based uh, coaching techniques that you see in some of the movies, a um, little bit about, you know, hard work and... A um, little bit of the rah-rah that you see on the TV shows. And, uh, you know, our team really um, responded well to it. We are young, so I think that the enthusiasm carried over. And it's great to see the veteran guys really getting on board with some of that stuff. And uh, I think that's galvanised the team and another reason why we're so successful. And I think that the people that 
saw the game or at the game um, against Perth the other night, I think that the true indication of a, of a, of a team that's really together is when um, Will Hickey, Davo Hickey, had three baskets in a row and uh, the biggest fans in, in the whole place was the bench. Um, you've got a guy like Tyler Harvey, who's been an all-star five in our league, jumping up and down like he was a 15, 15-year-old schoolboy. It's, um, you know, it's exciting to see a team that's excited for other players doing well, even though that might impact their ability to play court time. So that's an indication of a good team for me and a, and a team that's really together. You touched on what's jumped out for me, Matty. If you want to look at, if you wanted to put Justin Tatum's impact or what's made him so successful in this role in a nutshell, watch that, whatever it was, two to three minute period of Davo Hickey the other night. He had the roof lifting off. You've got a guy who really epitomises what Illawarra Hawks are about, that blue collar, that hustle, all that type of stuff. And the way he had, the way Justin Tatum's been able to turn him into more than just that hustle guy, more than just that energy guy that we've seen him be in recent years, the, the guy that you put on for some, some hustle and some, some energy when, you, when you're sitting a Justin Robertson or a, or a Tyler Harvey. What Justin Tatum, as we saw the other night, has been able to turn Dave Hickey into off the bench is a game-breaker. That was the moment the game got away from Perth. It was in that run into the third quarter, and Dave O'Hickey had, he was getting fights with Ty Webster, and that, that block. That's why the crowd loves him, and because block, he, he resonates with yes. the Illawarra and our culture and our background and what sporting teams pride themselves on here. Absolutely, and you, you, the block right on uh, on halftime, or maybe it was quarter time, I think it was halftime, the, the block there, if you watch the, the footage, he was on the baseline at his own end, got baseline to baseline to put that block up and block that shot right on the buzzer. Peter Modest is what he's about, but I think that stretch, that, that, that third quarter stretch to close that term, to have a guy like David Hickey being the game-breaker for you. Matty Campbell, uh, is that something you've had, a, you know, you've had the best seats in the house to watch, uh, I guess, this development? Is that something you've seen uh, from JT since he's stepped into the role? Yeah, and I think, I think what he does do for the group is gives you an opportunity if, you, if you're the hardest-working person. And um, it kind of shows that, if you put the hard work in at practice, um, Justin Tatum will allow you to have your opportunity on the floor. And, um, you know, I think, he, he think he's done a fantastic job of that. And then I think what, the other great thing that the coaching staff in general are doing right now is, is giving the players uh, a, a simple game plan that's effective. So giving them the tools to be able to go out on the floor without overthinking it um, to, to put themselves in a position where they could potentially win. And I think... You know, that, that's, this, that simplification of the game really helps the guys to settle in and then just allows them to play basketball. And what we're seeing is on the back of that, we're seeing some really good talent starting to emerge out of the group. And uh, like I said, pretty excited that, you know, night in, night out, it's not just one person. You know, obviously, you know, Gary Tyler and Justin Robinson and Sam are the sort of keys in that space for us. But, you know, it's the fact that you just walk in there and I don't know who's going to do it on the night. And um, I think that's a scary proposition for any team playing against us. Matty Campbell, a uh, good test of uh, mindset, I guess, going into playoffs in your last game against United tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock. Um, just given now that they've they've got to the starting line for, for playoffs, so it's a, a good, good chance to just show a, a bit of a hard-nosed mindset in the last game against the ladder leaders. Yeah, I mean, we still need to win. Um, you know, that's the reality of it. Um, like I said, New Zealand put a bit of a spanner in the works by, by beating uh, Brisbane so well the other night. So um, the reality for us to, to, to cement the fourth spot, we need to still win. And 
We've, I mean, we've talked, we've talked about it as a group as well. About you know, this will, if we win this game tomorrow, that will allow us to have a winning record after the start we've had. Um, so there's a lot of positives to take out of it, and and momentum is massive in in all sport, and definitely definitely want to be going into the playoffs playing the best basketball. And I think you know, realistically, I think we're right there. If not the best team in the league, we're close, um, especially since Justin Tatum's taken over. Yeah, fantastic result by the Hawks already. If I can just jump in real quickly and get Maddie's response to this. Uh, a high-profile uh, and very popular Fox League commentator interviewed Justin Tatum when he took over. So they were 2-7. and seven. And he was so impressed by the interim coach, he thought, I'll just have a look what the Hawks are to make the, the finals. And it was some ridiculous price. So he got on. And now he's set to build a second mansion because he's watching the Hawks career towards the championship. Good morning, Andrew Voss. Hope you're looking forward to calling the Charity Shield tonight. So Voss, he might just line his pockets if you can keep going, Matty Campbell. And, and you've got to get fourth because that gives you two swings in the finals and a home playing game at least. So uh, yeah, it's a big game against Melbourne tomorrow, isn't it, in the quest to finish fourth? Yeah, huge game for us. Um... Uh, and not only just for finishing fourth, this one, this the, the, the game the other night was about belief, trying to understand if we're a good enough team. That belief, I think you could see it uh, against Perth. Now going into this game, we take care of the top seed in the in the competition. I think that's when the growth will really come with this group. And then who knows what happens in finals? It's, it's, it would be pretty exciting. A very young group and. The more, the more um, sort of confidence you can give them, the better they will be. I think it was 170 to 1, by the way. 170 to 1. Why oh. wouldn't you get on? Absolutely. Well, <laughs> they've come like Chautauqua. <laughs> Tomorrow, 2 o'clock, uh, Melbourne United against the Illawarra Hawks on ESPN via KO and Foxtel, also on 10 Peach. We'll let you get to the airport, Matt Campbell. Go well down there in Melbourne, and we'll head to a break. Wollongong City GWM's plate clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Wollongong City GWM's plate clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Of life, <laughs> the facts of life. Every week here on Saturdays in the Gong, our operator Pete, the perfect panel puncher from Putney, brings us a random fact. And every week, it's absolute pure gold. What have you got for us? Now, Pete, remember you're going to get marked on this. And here are the marking factors: relevance, interest, quirkiness, and brevity. Okay, so I'm going to pass over after your random fact for Mitch Jennings to give you a score out of ten, given you've gone six, six, six so far. Okay, no pressure here. Uh, guys, I had a, I've had a week of culture this week. Last week, uh, Matt, you said you wanted a review on the Pink concert from Saturday night. Absolutely superb. Um, she did uh, 24 songs. Go to YouTube, see Pink Finale. It is the most extraordinary finale to a concert I've ever seen in my life. The night before, I saw Paul Weller at the Sydney Opera House, former frontman for the Jam and 80s band Style Council. Fantastic uh, concert. To top it off, during the week, I went and saw the one-man musical Cricket.
Here to be experiencing some technical difficulties. We'll get you back on with Saturdays in the Gong right after this ad. Wollongong City GWM's play clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Wollongong City GWM's play clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Back here live at Saturdays in the Gong on 1170 uh, SEN Sydney and 1575 SEN Track Illawarra. It's bang the gong time, boys. Our favourite time of the week. We've only got a minute or two. What have you got? Bang the gong. Thank you, Dave, to Fig Tree Gourmet Kitchen. Veal Scolopini Sensational. Get down there. And also, I've got two bang the gongs to anyone who got on the Hawks, not at 170 to 1. It was 276 to 1. And one of the players here came up and showed me his bet that he had 10 bucks on the Hawks at 276 to 1. Do the maths. Oh, that's not bad, man. Let's clarify a golf player, not one of the Hawks players. <laughs> no. No, no yes. did that, so that was bad. I'm going to get. I'm continue with the Hawks theme for my bang the gong. Matty, I know it's not much of a deviation from what we have spoken about, but I'm going to bang the gong on the Illawarra Hawks faithful, the atmosphere they created the other night. And the reason I'm banging the gong on them is because this is a fan base that year after year after year gets kicked. They get lobbed. Every time Every time the Hawks are struggling, you've got Peanut saying, oh, I don't them. think they can go to Wollongong. They had Illawarra yeah. stripped. From the emblem, how many years back? That was another genius move from the NBL and giving the license. There's, they've been undermined. The schedules have been rubbish year in, year out. And yet here they are. They keep turning up. And good on them because I'm sick to death of hearing this Wollongong fan base, the only fan base to have sustained an NBL team in every season of the NBL's existence, asked to justify their own existence. Here they are. They're on the back of a fairy tale. They're packing out the weck. They're en route to a championship. Oh, that's a good guy. Bang the gong on the Illawarra Hawks faithful. I'm glad you've said that, Mitch Jennings, because this this uh, run to the playoffs is many things, but it is also a massive up yours to the NBL, <laughs> to the fact that <laughs> yes. they wanted to take the name, they wanted to take the team away from this region, and through everything, through everything, the Hawks have managed to not only stand, but stand tall and come back from where they've been. My bang the gong, which last week was to Matt the Love Russell, uh, Love <laughs> Muscle Russell, this week is to <laughs> my other co-host, Matt Campbell. <laughs> I've got to give Matty Campbell the bang the gong to get in there and those guys have the, the ability to make a hard decision when it was needed. And the Hawks haven't often been in a position where they can make the hard decision in terms of uh, moving a coach on and taking, um, taking Justin Tatum on as a coach. So they haven't been in that opportunity because of the ownership and because of their finances and whatnot. But to make the hard decision and to make that happen and to do what they've done since. So it's a massive bang the gong. It's a love-in for the Hawks. Absolutely. Matt Campbell, the man they call Soup for obvious reasons. Kitties, Campbell's Soup. Soup should be drinking beer. In fact, Soup should be champagne because he's turned the club around as GM of basketball. He certainly has. We're going to have to let you go. Matt Russell, you're off Highway. to Gosford. Yeah, Please contact all the Highway Patrol. White Rav 4 coming through. Turn a blind eye. <laughs> on, on the ex- Here we go, 276 k's an hour in honour of the Hawks. Uh, well, thanks for joining us in the first hour in SEN Sydney 1170. You can stick with us on the app or the website. A big afternoon on Fox Leave with Matt Russell. 
Uh, stick with us the second hour. Saturdays in the Gong. We're going to be talking racing, soccer, and plenty more. Saturdays in the Gong. Wollongong City GWM's play clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Yeah, we're back. Saturdays in the Gong, live from Wollongong Golf Club, the tap-in terrace at the 19th hole. With thanks to Wakeling Automotive, home to your next new car, Wollongong City GWM, GWM's plate clearance. It's on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. And also to the legends at Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. Check out impactgaragedoors.com.au. Been a bit of chaos in the last bit of Saturdays in the Gong there before news time, but I think like Rugby League, we're back, baby. So thanks for joining us <laughs> on 1575. I'm giving Pete 11 out of 10 for the open heart surgery. He performed there to get us back on air. I'm going to give him 11 out of 10. Well, he's had to tease it out now because we didn't actually get to the end of the random fact live on air. So we're going to have that again during the second hour. It's Tim Barrow, the Illawarra Mercury senior sports writer, Mitch Jennings. And a man of many talents and rugby expertise, Toby Dawson. Good morning to you. G'day, Baz. G'day, Jeno. How are we? Good, mate. Very good in this sun. I didn't want to make your uh, introduction too elaborate, mate. I know you wear a few hats, um, among them ITC, Illawarra Turf Club director. So you're, uh, you've, you know, you wear a few different hats, don't you? Yeah, I like to keep myself busy. And the one common theme is it's sport. And that's what brings me here to Saturdays in the Gong. You know, let's talk sport. What have we got, Baz? Well... I was going to kick off with racing, but I think we'll kick off with your where your heart lies with Rugby Union. They had the launch of the Kiama Sevens yesterday. It is one of the great events on the Illawarra calendar, the Kiama Sevens. Brings people from all over, but they also do it a brilliantly well-run competition. 100%. So it's going into its 52nd year next Saturday, the 24th. Get along down to uh, Kiama Showground there. There's $30,000 worth of prize money, so it's the biggest Sevens comp in the country. It's massive. They, As you said... Draw teams from everywhere. This is 100% a flag on the hill for a lot of rugby clubs. The quality is outstanding. You'll often see a lot of the sevens players that will go on to the Australian sides playing at Kiama. Um, you know, I took my young fella the other year. He absolutely loved it and got his ball signed by all the uh, Olympics, Olympic sevens players. The guys from Avcon, massive sponsors of this show, massive supporters of the community. They'll be there in the tent. There's plenty of refreshments for all ages, so uh, get in, get in, get down and heckle at Kyma Sevens next year. But if you're looking for something today, the MacArthur Tens at Camden. So they're going into their ninth year. There's $12,000 in prize money up there. Again, it's going to be a good quality, fast playing football. It's hot, it's sunny, great conditions. Not for people like me, but there'll be some good footy up in Camden today. We, we've stuck the boot into rugby a bit on this show, amongst other places in recent times. Obviously, the disappointment of the Wallabies with Eddie Jones and the World Cup. But, you know, I think sometimes we maybe underestimate the importance of the Sevens and, and the, the relative success that Australia's had. 100%. Like, you look at the women's Sevens. They're the three-time champions of the uh, World Sevens series, which is massive. They were also the winners of the inaugural gold medal at the 2016 Rio Olympics. Wollongong's own Emma Tonegato, who you've seen don uh, jerseys in other codes, but we allow that. 
because we're the nice people in rugby union. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, em- Wollongong's own Emma Tonegato is part of that team that won the gold in Rio. It's absolutely massive and it's really starting to grow here locally, especially in the women's game. Yep. So just this year, we've seen an increased investment. Second year in a row uh, for Rugby Australia to invest into the women's game. They've put $3 million, which is a 61% increase over 23, which was a 60% increase over 22. So heaps going in. There's now the top-tier contracts have gone from 15 to 23, and they're worth over $72,500 plus their Super Rugby payments that they get on top. So Rugby Australia and the women's game are really stepping right into the professional era with a very clear goal to be a top-tier nation. I like the, the investment into the longer format of the game. We're, we're obviously singing the praises of, of sevens here, and a lot of the, for a long time, Rugby Australia would or would sort of sing from the rooftops, where the forerunners, we've got these... And I'm, well, there's a reason you can do it when it's a sevens team. The number of contracts isn't the same as an NRLW team or the Gilla, or Gilla Roos, but the fact that they're moving now to the entire women's game, because it's going to... Rugby in the country, it can't, we can't just go with sevens either. We need to have the longer form of the game too, so I think absolutely. We can't bang the gong, because I don't think we've got the gong sound effect, but well done, Rugby Australia, for its investment in women's rugby, not just the shorter forms. 100%. You look last year, Jay Tregoning, another Wollongong local, coached the Wallaroos to huge success against the top-tier nations with what is really a, an amateur team mm. when you look at the number of players under contract. So if we're getting those results with an amateur team, if we've got people in camp, it's brilliant. And what you can see here with Rugby Australia is that they're actually starting to manoeuvre the centralisation play in terms of their high-performance program that they want to bring to life in the men's game, but they're building the women's game with that mindset up front, and it's going to mean massive returns in the long run. So next week, the Super Rugby competition kicks off for another year. I'll run through the Australian team. So the Rebels play the Brumbies on the Friday night, the Reds and the Waratahs on Saturday night next week, and the Force uh, take on the Hurricanes We've seen a fair bit about the Rebels' drummers off the field lately, but uh, what's the expectations around the Australian teams for the competition? Look, I think there's a fairly noticeable omission of many New Zealand teams. So it's very much a local derby weekend at the Super Rugby, at Super Round down in Melbourne. Um, I think we've got a lot of players with a lot to prove. We've got a new coach in Joe Schmidt. He's not expecting massive turnarounds or miracles, as he said, but he does want to see performance. He does want to see attitude. So I think we're going to see a lot of people step up. But we're playing against ourselves. I think it's going to be a really good litmus test in terms of the calibre of our players. And we'll be able to see who within the Australian stock is performing well. But in terms of how we're going to be able to step up against the Kiwis and the uh, Pacifica teams, that's another question to be answered down the line. I've got another question to be answered right now, Toby Dawson, because we're hearing a lot about, obviously, the Rebels uh, basically on their heels, basically, uh, you know, a dead franchise walking going into this season. But as we look for silver linings, plenty of finding silver linings in this, we're talking about there's been a desire for some to see uh, rugby, super rugby teams cut, one of them cut and have it more three teams. Obviously, we, we, tr- we saw that briefly with Western Force, what, are you, what is your take on this? Is it, is it a, a blessing in disguise, Toby Dawson, to lose a Super Rugby franchise and move more towards that centralisation that we keep hearing about? Yeah, I think 100%. But what you'll notice is that Rugby Australia have said we're not committing beyond the end of Season 24. So what that is doing, it's giving them time to really push hard on this centralisation game. At the moment, the Reds are against it because they're quite cash healthy. The Brumbies are against it and there's conflicting views on their financial position. 
So what, you, what you're seeing Rugby Australia do is buy time. If they can get the centralisation across the line this year, it gives them the space to make a decision about the Melbourne side. Does it become the Melbourne Brumbies and we lose the ACT team? Does Whoa. it? Yes, dear ACT an iconic, listeners. An brand. That would be extraordinary, though, wouldn't it? I mean, the, the, the ACT Brumbies sort of have been rugby at times in Australia, just given the, the fluctuation in the Waratahs' fortunes and, and the other Obviously teams the have struggled as well. As well. Yeah. 100%. Hands down, without a shadow of a doubt, the ACT Brumbies are Australia's most successful super rugby side. The unfortunate thing there is that it's generally made up of the uh, castaways from New South Wales rugby, so uh, maybe have a look at the New South Wales selection policy, but (laughs) that's a different question. I think the reason why ACT Brumbies doesn't work in the financial position is because of your broadcast rights, your broadcast revenue, punters through the gate. You don't have the head of population going to the games in Canberra. You can get that head of population in Melbourne. We've seen with the Melbourne Storm, people do like sports outside of AFL. So rugby can get there. But I think the first thing that Rugby Australia need to land is centralisation, Geno. Once they can land that centralisation position, it gives them an opportunity to make a decision on the Rebels' future. You're very silly if you make that decision on their long-term future now, knowing that you've got all these chess pieces moving around and you actually potentially could come into some sort of agreement that's going to hamstring you down the track because you went too soon. So what we know, there's certainty for the year. 80% 80% of the players are now employed, by, I mean, of the staff at the Rebels are now being employed by Rugby Australia, so there's surety there. We did lose 10 people, including the CEO this week, uh, with PwC, the uh, people doing the uh, work for the voluntary administration, the administrators, you could call them. So they've wiped out 10 people, they've kept that salary, they're focusing on the game, focusing on the players, and I think the big thing now is going to make sure that Rugby Australia can retain people like Tupo from going overseas. Well, it's it's an interesting one because I lived in Canberra for a little bit and I think the Brumbies, they their fans are, are pure rugby because, you know, we've seen the difficulties the Waratahs have had at times. Um, you know, they've had a couple of runs towards titles, but it hasn't always been easy, particularly in recent times. But the Brumbies in Canberra, a lot of Canberra fans are really rusted on Brumbies fans and then sort of ride the Raiders wave when it comes. So, you know, it'd be, it'd be really disappointing, I think, to lose... You know, such a staunch uh, supporter base. It'd be interesting too, because what I think about Canberra, because it's not an overly cluttered sport market, and now we, we're talking about team uh, competitions like the NBL. Whenever you talk about expansion anywhere, A League, people are always saying we need a team in Canberra. We need a team in, in Canberra. There's there's not a lot there at the moment. There's obviously the Raiders and the Brumbies. It seems bizarre that you would take a team out of what is already not all that cluttered a market, albeit a small market in the ACT compared to the other cities. But geez, that'd be that'd be with all these other sporting competitions and trying to get into Canberra for uh, most solid, as you said, the most successful Super Rugby Club we've ever had to leave Canberra, it'd be it'd be staggering. A hundred percent. I I can't see it happening, but there's been decisions come out of RA before that uh, have left us a little bit confused and scratching the head. Um, I think you know they cut the Western Force pre-pandemic. Twiggy Forest had you know his billions of dollars in his wallet open, saying, "Don't cut us, I'll fund it." Yep. They cut them, then. Twiggy went, well, buggy, I'll go set it up myself. If it wasn't for COVID, they'd be off running this competition that that he designed and he was investing in. Yeah, yeah. What the funny thing is now flowing on from that is that it's actually put a bit of a shake-up into the way that WA rugby is being administered. So they've now got a relegation system with a two-tier competition and there is more money in Perth rugby right now than there ever has been before 
because of a flow-on effect from that team getting cut from Super Rugby. All right, so from the national setup to Illawarra Rugby, now you're a great Vikings man. We've talked about the struggles of the, the Rebels and of other clubs, and we saw the Vikings drop out of the Illawarra competition last year, but there's been so much work going on behind the scenes to, to get them back to being a competitive force. Um, give us an insight. We're not too far away from the, the season up and running. 100%, Baz. 13th of April, we're kicking off uh, the Illawarra season. Vikings did have a struggle last year, pulled out of the first-grade comp, could only field a second-grade side. But from the moment they did that, the goal was on building back to two teams. Now, today we've got the MacArthur 10s. Vikings is playing at the MacArthur 10s. We've got the uh, Kiama 7s next week. Vikings is at the 7s. We've had a really strong pre-season training program going from about December, November. I, unfortunately, have been busy every single uh, one there of those you go. <laughs> Yes, you've done the... Uh, I understand what you mean. Yeah. You're, you're a busy man. Yeah, yeah, the kids, you know, yeah, just yeah. Yeah, the kids... But look, the, the, the goal was on building. By the end of last year, they had two teams play against uni, um, and that will be the play, play from round one this year to have two teams. So the club's actually going really well. It's amazing what you can do in these volunteer environments when you get the right people investing the right effort in the right spots. Um, I think, you know, one noticeable omission this year is we've got an eight-team comp rather than nine. Avondale stepped out because they didn't like the amateur yeah. requirements of the game. Yep. They wanted to be able to put some cash towards some people, but that's just not rugby. Rugby's about people that love the game, love getting around the boys, love the culture, and, you know, singing a few songs in the clubhouse at the end of the day and swapping war stories and showing whose ruck mark was bigger. So what, does, what does happen? Because that, that, that was staggering to me. I look, understand the, the amount of forfeits and the, the position that Avondale are in, but, you know, since I've, more than a decade now I've been here and with the Mercury, and one of the first things I actually covered ever was uh, Camden and Avondale in the Lawrabi Grand Final just across the road here uh, and the the impact of Avondale is this, oh, you can always understand they're, they're a club and as you touched on some of the issues there but you, you, competition's also powerhouses that are sort of anchor powerhouses in a competition uh, are quite vital to competitions succeeding but what do you make of what the competition will now look like with, with no Avondale that had just been perennial you know finalists grand finalists and sort of you know, pace setters. Mate, this is the best thing that could have happened to Illawarra Rugby since the greatest thing that happened before Avondale joined. So I think the reason why I say that, you know, and there's lots of lovely people at Avondale I've met along the way. Um, there's even more not so lovely, but there's a different conversation <laughs> for another fired. time. <laughs> I'll let him onto that one. Yeah, but the, so the reason why Avondale, so we used to hate Shamrocks. We hated Shamrocks, but all of a sudden we liked Shamrocks when Avondale came along. When they came along, they came along with a checkbook and the way that they built their first grade side was they went to each of the local clubs, went to their top performing players and said, how about it? You know, so we had a former club captain, Murray McDonald, go on and he was a very strong clubman out at Avondale for many years. But he got put in a position where he was able to accept payment for playing, which then enabled his wife to go and do further study in childhood and chase a career. So don't for one second put any challenge to the reason Murray made the decision he did to leave for Avondale. You don't grow a competition by robbing the teams that are within it. If they were going to do that and take that approach, bring new people to the game, bring new followers, bring new families, more supporters. But instead what they did is that they actually eroded the strength of a lot of the existing clubs. So we can't see, you know, this is basics of economic growth, right, in a rugby setting. I didn't know that you could combine those two. I, I think absolutely you can. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ex-wallabies who are accountants and in finance, Toby. I think you absolutely can combine rugby union and, yeah, okay. so, <laughs> and economic growth. Yeah, the economic growth of rugby is dependent on bringing new actors and new investment of energy into the game. And Avondale just never succeeded that. Um, 
when they did bring people from out of area, they were sort of shuttled down on the bus on a Saturday and then shuttled home straight after the game. So one of the things I know that you've spoken about before, boys, is that beautiful moment in the clubhouse after the game where you swap points and you sing songs and have a few laughs with the opposition. There was tumbleweed in the Dandaloo Hotel at home games there. You'd have 15 boys from Vikings sticking around for a beer and they'd be like, oh, we meant to do speeches, everyone's already gone. Like, that's not what rugby's about. Rugby's about getting around, having that chat, and it's a culture and it's a community. You hate each other for 80 minutes, then you shake hands and swap ears with a bloke that kicked you in the nose. Absolutely can speak to that. I'm a former captain of uh, the first 15 of Hawkesbury Agricultural College. Five grades we had. And the, uh, the joy of participation that you speak about, Toby, it's a participation game at its heart. That's what rugby's got going for it. So long may it continue in the Illawarra. 100%. Like, look at this. Look at the colour of, of the bloke across the desk, right? <laughs> There's a position for everyone to participate <laughs> when it comes to rugby union. It's great to see that the Vikings are making a real fist of it. And, you know, Illawarra rugby's a healthy competition when they've got a successful Vikings around. We'll head to a break and then we're going to come back and see if we can find a winner on the track. Wollongong City GWM's play clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Wollongong City GWM's play clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Saturday mornings here, Saturday in the gong, SEN Track, Illawarra, 15.75am, or the app, or the website, with thanks to Wakeling Automotive, home to your next new car, Wollongong City GWM's plate clearance, it's on now, drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. Also to Impact Garage Doors, Impacting Garage Homes, Impacting Garage Homes, Impacting Homes with impacting Garages. Homes that feature garages. For the past 20 years, they've been great sponsors of ours since day one. Well, let's make some money today, boys. Obviously, gambling responsibly. It's a big day. The good horses are back on track, including Kembla Granger's Think It Over for Kerry Parker, taking on Fangirl in what should be a ripping contest at Royal Randwick. Now, the rail's out four metres, so that makes it a little bit interesting and probably gives Think It Over a little bit of advantage in running, being a bit more positively ridden. So it's at four o'clock, the Apollo Stakes. $7.50 is the quote for Think It Over, so it'll be a great battle with Fangirl today. I've got two for you as we go around the table. I've got uh, King Colorado in the CS Hayes Stakes down in Melbourne. That's race seven, number two, King Colorado. Around the $3.60 quote, should just be winning. And with a bit of a Kembla Grange flavour, I like Cuban Royale, race four, number one at Randwick today on an each-way basis. Uh, Olivia Chambers gives you the three-kilo claim to get uh, back into a sort of decent weight range. Is a class runner in the race, and I think, well, the price has gone a little bit, but I think around the $11 mark, you're still fairly handy. Mitch Jennings, what have you got? I'm not going to be, you know, this isn't some insider great tip, but I'm just going really hard at Fangirl in the Apollo. I think it over... Uh, obviously, just the, the comeback continues from the injury we thought might end the career, and at that at that value, very juicy. But I think I've been a huge fan of fan, been a fan girl of fan girl for 
a long time. Obviously, you talk about a horse that just happened to run into Anima, I think, four times placing behind. We're talking about a really good horse. Chris Waller's convinced that, you know, as a five-year-old, she's a maturing uh, maturing horse, and I I think I'm just going to go very hard at that today. Would yeah. be my tip. I want to see, uh, think it over, just sort of get through today and step out to the, the mile and beyond. Um, so, you know, I think think it over's got a, a reasonable chance and particularly fresh at the 1,400 metres will be somewhere in the finish because it's such a, he's such a genuine horse. But, yeah, I just, I just want to see stepping out in distance. Toby Dawson, what have you found for us today? Uh, you know, I love a provincial. Uh, so we're looking at Newcastle, race eight, number eight, Nosy Parker. I was up at uh, the Epsom not long ago when someone pointed to the screen and put me onto a uh, Nosy Parker, and that was someone who knew a lot more about horses and racing than I ever will. Uh, so I followed it, and I've been following it ever since. Gets good results, and racing at home at Newcastle. I think uh, it's sitting currently at favourite, but at $5, so a longish favourite, but definitely a value bet there. Get on it. That's good. We've gone wide there. We've got Melbourne, we've got Sydney, we've got Newcastle, and I've got to put my hands up. My two bets yes, uh, last week, my two tips were as four in Melbourne. Uh, that wasn't uh, wasn't the greatest result at the short quote, and also, uh, what was my other bet? Oh, Barber, the uh, James Cummings horse, which was disappointing uh, first up last week. So hopefully we can bounce back out there today. Now, we were just talking in the break because we were talking rugby beforehand. You were mentioning Toby Dawson at the documentary about the Wallabies is about to drop. So that'll certainly be some interesting viewing. Mate, you might know the end result, but look, James Cameron's Titanic was a bestseller box office smash, <laughs> right? So I actually think, you know, as we were mentioning, I think more people are interested in this documentary that's launching on Stan on the 22nd of February, so this coming Thursday. I think more people are interested in the doco because the Wallabies campaign was such a car crash. You know, we're going to get finally some insight behind the scenes into Drunk Uncle Eddie. You know, we, we might even I want see... to see where that Akubra went. Yeah. I want to see if the Akubra still features once they got to the other side of the world see... or if it ended up if it ended up somewhere on the tarmac. I love that. I want to know where is the Akubra. Hashtag find Eddie's Akubra. I want to know about the tie. Did he not finish tying it up or did he loosen it down to let off some steam in the, the worst Tim press conference? Approach. Start with it loose and it gets looser and looser as uh, the loser <laughs> <laughs> the track pile up. But I think, yeah, this, this doco um, was signed up to, uh, sponsored by Stan to bring it to life. Stan uh, broadcast all the Super Rugby and the home of rugby in Australia. So they've signed up to it when uh, Eddie was quite confident about the uh, snatch and grab mission that his boys were going to bring back Bill and off they go. So it was an access all areas. Heaps of behind-the-scenes footage, lots of Q&A with players pre, during and post the World Cup debacle. I think it's a three-part docuseries. Tune in. Um, and I'm happy to give you a weekly update on which part of the car crash we're Are they at. hour long? Are they hour long? Yeah, I hope so. Because there's three episodes. So we're getting near James James Cameron's <laughs> Titanic. I don't know if there'll be a bare chest of Kate Winslet in this documentary, but they'll hang in there for three hours. Well, but... No Jack Dawson, but there'll be a Dawson giving you updates each week on our Saturdays there in the go. Go. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be absolutely compelling uh, viewing. Well, we better head to the news. And then from rugby, we're going to talk a bit of soccer. Wollongong City GWM's play clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Back 
back with Saturdays in the Gong, live from Wollongong Golf Club, the Tap-In Terrace at the 19th hole. And to our sponsors, Wakeling Automotive, home to your next new car, Wollongong City's GWM plate clearance. It's on right now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. Tim Barrow, Mitch Jennings, Toby Dawson. And joining us on the line now is the Illawarra Mercury's football writer, Jordan Warren. Yeah, g'day boys. Great to be back on the show. No, great to have you, mate. It's always great to have you on. You know what I've got to have before you get into this, Baz? You've said football yeah, writer. You know he's also become, in recent time, Ravs, he's also become the Illawarra Mercury's bridge writer. Bridge? In the, bridge, bridge. I did read he's that actually story. Our, he's, new, he's our new bridge correspondent. <laughs> All right, well, so before we so dive into... So if you've got questions hunt, about bridge, he's your guy. Do, before we dive into the New South Wales Premier League and the Wollongong Wolves kicking off their season, give us the rundown on the bridge action this week. Yeah, I knew that was going to come up from you, Jenna, but uh, it was actually a good story, to be honest. <laughs> um, it, it's a fellow by the name of Paul Lavings. He's, um, he's been around the world, and I, I didn't actually know this, and you know, I only found this out this week, but there's actually an Australian team for bridge. And now, back in 1962, I think, from memory, Paul Lavings is, he plays at the Illawarra Bridge Club. He's 78 now. Um, he, he's not just in 1962, for a number of seasons, a number of years, he, he's made the Australian bridge team, and apparently he's He's one of the best. I said in my story that, that he's the goat that, you know, football has Lionel Messi and, and cricket has Donald Bradman and, and, and Bridge has Paul Lavings. He's the goat. So, yeah, no, he was a great fella. And, yeah, it definitely, uh, definitely improved my knowledge of Bridge, that's for sure. And I think I had a few people in the office tell me that it improved their knowledge of Bridge too. So hopefully uh, more Bridge stories to come. Outstanding. I go okay on the blackjack tables, but that's about as far as my uh, my cards playing. I play, I play. I play snap, mate. That's about it. <laughs> snap, snap, and, and you know, I they're get, my two. They're my two card games. The kids beat me at fish, so there's no way I'm going near bridge. Yeah, well, at least there's not too much to the thought process with with snap. All right, let's load into the football. Uh, the Wollongong Wolves. They've been pretty busy with their off-season signings, including a couple of big announcements this week. What are we looking at in terms of their prospects for the year? Yeah, it's a really interesting. It's been an interesting off-season for David Carney. Of course, this week he announced that, that former <coughs> Sydney FC and Western Sydney Wanderers goalkeeper Vedran Janjetovic has made, a, you've got to say, an impressive return from injury. Of course, he, he had a, a massive form slump with the Wanderers a few seasons ago. And of course, it all came out that, that he'd suffered not just one, but a, but a number of shoulder injuries. And and he's actually making his comeback for the Wolves and, and is expected to line up against Marconi tonight. So it'll be extremely interesting to see how he goes. Of course, David Carney, the Wolves coach and veteran, know each other really well from playing under. Now Socceroos coach Graham Arnold went back when they were in the all-conquering Sydney FC team. And, and there's been a, a number of uh, other additions, but one big out is Walter Scott. He was one of the, the Wolves' best last season in that left-back role. He signed for A-League club MacArthur. So that's one big gaping hole that, that David Carney will have to fill. Um, but uh, it, it's positive for the Wolves, I, I feel like, this season. They finished seventh last year. They came home with a wet sail. They have a fairly young team with, with a bit of experience. Of course, I mentioned Yen Yedovic. They've also got Lachlan Scott, their skipper, um, used to play in the A-League. Banrai Kanazumi is, is an experienced professional at the back there. He's vice-captain. It's, an inch, it's going to be interesting to see how they go against Marconi tonight. Of course, they've got uh, one home fixture in their first five, so an incredibly tough start. But if they can negotiate a couple of these tough away fixtures against teams that probably won't be at their peak just yet, then you know at the back end of the season, when they've got a few home games up their sleeve, you think there'd be a finals charge. 
How do you feel that their approach, the Wolves, obviously they know that the carrot of the national second tier, assuming everything goes to, to plan with the competition, um, that that's coming along in the very near future against, I guess, trying to draw immediate success in the, the NPL? Yeah, look, I think everyone I've spoken to, of course, is going to say the, the traditional answer that, you know, take it one game at a time. But it's pretty hard to for everyone at the Wolves and, and everyone involved in football in Australia to not be excited about the national second tier, which starts in 2025. I think from the outside looking in, some of their signings are, are sort of made with that national second tier in mind. Of course, Vedran, you know, with that A-League experience, he's 36, but, you know, goalkeepers can go into their 40s these days. And, and, and you know, and they've also on the other end of of things, they've got a number of young players that that have been doing really good stuff. Chris McStay, uh, Samuel Riak have been a, a formidable, formidable midfield partnership for the Wolves all last season, and and you know still in their mid twenties, they really could push into that na- national second tier uh, squad. They could be a sort of a, a couple of boys that you could you could place that whole side around. And yeah, there's a number of exciting Illawarra prospects in that team. I think that obviously David Carney would love to go well. In the in the NPL this season, but uh, yeah, there's definitely been planning for that national second tier. That's for sure. Turning to the Illawarra Premier League, the pre-season build-up there. Uh, I know Josh Bartlett and yourself, in terms of the Mercury's coverage, have been uh, feverish in terms of signings and uh, and who's building towards a Premiership season. Um, what have, what have you learnt so far? Yeah, had the season launch of the Illawarra Premier League this uh, this week. It starts on the weekend of, of March too, so it's definitely not too far away. I guess sort of the usual suspects, Albion Park, of course, they were the league champions last year, but fell short of a, of a grand final appearance. They've recruited quite well. They've recruited Kyle Senior. He's he's a, a very well-renowned defender in the Illawarra. James O'Rourke used to be a Wollongong Wolves defender. One of my favourites, I think, is definitely Quinjilla. Of course, it was they've had you know a sensational couple of seasons. They they didn't make finals for somewhat of, of a decade, and then the year before last, they they made the five, and then last year they were in a grand final and fell just short of Coniston. I think that they've kept the majority of their squad there. Uh, George Dematos, he's a, he's a young coach that that definitely knows his stuff. He's he's done his trade at Wollongong United in the reserve grade and the under twenties over the years and. And I like their prospects as well. And another team that you've got to mention is Wollongong United. They've recruited really well. It was a really disappointing last season for Wollongong United. Of course, they didn't make the finals. And and the year before that, they had that phenomenal run where they made the round of 32 of the Australia Cup, the national competition. So they'll be expecting big things. There's been changes. There's been Billy Sovolos, who, of course, was a massive stalwart and still is at, at Wollongong United as a player and then as a coach. He stepped down and Rob Janowski steps into the role. And, of course, everyone knows Rob from his 2019 triumph with Coromel. So there's big things expected. They've made the, the big signings, the, the biggest one being Jordan Nikoloski from Port Kembla. He was Port Kembla's captain. He's still only young, 24, I believe. So he's got a lot to give. He's been one of the, the best young players in this competition and for the Wolves in the last five years. I think it's time for him to start winning silverware. And they've actually got a really young team, but they've been together for a number of years. So I think it's really exciting stuff at Wollongong United. So I'd say that Park, Prinny and and uh, Wollongong United would be my favourites. Of course, Olympic are always going to have a, a quality team. And, and of course, the grand final champions, Coniston, will be there as well. So yeah, it's definitely going to be another strong season in the Illawarra Premier League. Now, I've got my boys part of the Shell Harbour Junior Football Club down there at uh, Myimbar Fields. What's, uh, what about the prospects of the new boys on the block in the first grade? Yeah, I really like Shell Harbour's 
Shell Harbour's chances, to be honest. They've got Rod Williams still at the helm. He, he's, of course, a massively experienced coach um, for over 20 to 30 years. They've got a really good team, and I know that they've been promoted from the District League. Of course, they won the District League, League Championship last year. So Rod's sort of come out and said that, you know, a top five would be a, a great achievement. I, I think that or he's actually said not getting relegated is a great achievement. I think that a top five is a more realistic goal for them. They've got a quality squad. They've got the likes of Taylor McDonald. Uh, he used to be at the Wollongong Wolves, was last year at Marconi Stallions. They, they've recruited really, really well. Um, obviously, not much will be expected of them being that, that promoted side, but you saw in the District League last year the story of Gerringong. They came up from the Community League and ended up being one game away from the grand final. So I, I definitely think it's not out, out of the realms of possibility. And with Rod there at the helm, I think that they can definitely push for a top five, if not further. And, and you know it yourself, Baz, Shalabra have been doing some great stuff in terms of, of um, keeping the juniors and the seniors together as one club since the merger with, between the Shell Arbor juniors and, and Shell Cove. The women's team are the defending grand final champions. It's a really, really strong club. I think... You know, Shell Harbour has that po- the possibility to, to be a real powerhouse in the Illawarra, say, in the next five to ten years. Yeah, they could be one of, if not the biggest club in the competition in, in five or so years, just given their enormous junior base and hopefully the success now that they've made it up to the Premier League. How's this one, Mitch Jennings? So... We love Caitlin Ford here. She's one of our favourites as a Matilda. She plays with Arsenal over in the Women's Super League. For the first time, Arsenal have sold out all 60,000 tickets to take on Manchester United in the Women's Super League. It just shows the standing and the level of the women's game now that they can sell out their main stadium, 60,000 for Arsenal and United. 60,000, yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? It's not quite, it's still about 30,000 off Taylor Swift at the MCG, but no, we're not going to hold anyone to that standard, I don't think. Uh, but uh, yeah, outstanding, and look, it's, it's everyone's really got on board with We saw the incredible run of the Matildas last year in the pull-through, and how that can, just the way that that's coming on, and yeah, absolutely sensational. In such a really quick time, really, relatively, when you think about where you know, the Women's Premier League over there was not that long ago to where it is now. It's just been absolutely rapid. And it shows, this. we're talking huge sport, big league. It just shows that, contrary to what people say on a lot of levels, there is an appetite to, to watch, view, pay for women's sport. Absolutely, of course there is. It's, uh, it's a massive industry and it's only growing. 100%. You know, you've seen the tensions in tennis, you've seen it in surfing, but there's these sports like soccer and like rugby that have just gone under the radar and just built it and people are flocking to it not just from the participation level but from spectator level because it's still a high quality game you know that might be played in a different style and maybe it might be more of the technical skills rather than the physicality of the men's game but it's still high caliber you know it's really entertaining to watch so i think it's a huge testament to uh, women's soccer to get sixty thousand people like imagine if dragons could get 60,000 people to a home game. There you go. Uh, they wouldn't fit in Win Stadium. <laughs> but, but, uh, but importantly, it's giving every girl who plays their chosen sport the opportunity to dream of every goal that the, the boys do as well. It's, it's a, 100%. You know, it's, it's fantastic for, for women's sport in general and obviously the profile of the elite athletes, but also for you know the yep. girls who might make it. So. And I, I love the, um, you know, we, we always talk about the role of the role model professional sports person um you know and generally it's attached to a conversation around male role models doing the wrong thing nate miles in the hotel lobby for example um got into the the vault for that one (laughs) (laughs) it's one of the greats if we want to just discuss the difference between rugby league and rugby union nate miles in the hotel lobby there we go um 
No, and, but the, the, the role models of women's sport are 100% around creating that uh, expectation or that opportunity for the younger girls coming through to be something great, chasing their sporting dreams. It's awesome. Well, Jordan Warren, we'll let you go. We know you've got a big afternoon trying your hand at the Illawarra Bridge Club, so good luck with that this afternoon. We'll head to a break, and then we'll bring it home on Saturdays in the Gong. Wollongong City GWM's plate clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Wollongong City GWM's play clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Too much of not enough. The Facts of Life. It's a first on Saturdays in the Gong. We've had the Facts of Life not once, but twice after a little technical failure there. Which are, of before course, the Facts of Life sometimes. Nine o'clock, it's a fact happen. of life, absolutely. So Pete, the perfect panel puncher from Putney, our panel operator here at Wollongong Golf Club. He brings us a random fact every week, but he only got halfway through. We've got the big crescendo. Pete, you, you've had a massive week, haven't you? I've had a massive week, Tim. As a cultural week, saw Paul Weller, saw Pink, and then on Wednesday night I went and saw Cricket the Musical at the Bridge Hotel at Roselle in Sydney. Renaissance man, Renaissance man. Which, was, all that, all which that. was the highlight of the week. Dennis Carnahan's one-man show on the history of cricket. It's really worth seeing. It's terribly, terribly funny. Lots of characters. The spirit of cricket makes an appearance. All sorts of things like that. But he also came up with the fun fact of the week, possibly the year in his show. In 13 years, actually, oh no, hang on, we have a drum roll for this. There it is. See, Dave's looked after us, there it is. I'm I'm not used to having all these, having a band. (laughs) The, uh, The fun fact is, in 13 years of the KFC Big Bash, there has never been one cricketer with a first name of Jeff. 13 years of the Big Bash, not one Not one Jeff. Jeff. Well, I guess we have to go a long way back in terms of Jeffs with Australia. Obviously, Jeff Thompson, Jeff Marsh. Jeff Lawson. Jeff Lawson. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Jeff Bomber Hammond played one test for Australia about 50 years ago, there I you think. Go. Now, we yeah. get, now we're getting a fun, two fun facts <laughs> for the price of one here. So just, just quickly before we finish that, who, who would be the best in the Big Bash out of that group of the Jeffs? Tomo for Tomo. three overs. Tomo, Tomo just coming Tomo off the back short spells. Yeah. Just coming oh, yeah, off the yeah, back Absolutely. Yeah. Game, set, match. Yeah. Coming in for four overs. All right. Well, now, we need to score it. Again, we did give the score. Now, Mitch, where did you go? Did you land him on a 10? I had him on a 10, and then I'm going to give him an 11 because we got two fa- we got two facts there. We've got two extra fun facts. Okay. So, I started at, I started at <laughs> nine and a half because you didn't stick the landing on the drum roll last time. But given the second opportunity, it's there. So, I'm happy to go... 10 out of 10. All right, we've got one more ad break in us here on Saturdays in the Gong with thanks to Wakeling Automotive, home to your next new car. Wollongong City's GWM plate clearance. It's on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. And also to our great friends at Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. Saturdays in the Gong. Wollongong City GWM's plate clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. 
Wollongong City GWM's play clearance is on now. Drive away and save up to $4,000 this month. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. to Kate Winslet and Absolutely. the Titanic. We've, the gone, Titanic. we've gone to some weird areas today on Saturdays in the Gong, but let's... It's a bit of a Sean Tate spell, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> let's finish off. We've gone at the stumps and then we've gone for four <laughs> wides a couple of times. The wild thing, a wild show. Uh, let's finish off strong. We'll go back to some rugby league. We saw the Super Bowl in the NFL last week. Mitch Jennings and the Illawarra competition and Group 7 competition hosting their own Super Bowl, March 16. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think Taylor Swift will be attending this Super Bowl, but everything no. else will be. Everything Half-time else will show. be. Everything else will be superior. It was my bang the gong uh, a couple of weeks ago, Baz. I've, you know, I've, I've been calling for this game for for several years. Not alone in doing it. Ashton Sims, our great friend of the show, has, has made it happen down there with uh, another great man of mine, Blakey Edwards from the Illawarra Rugby League. And just this week, they've confirmed it will be a three-grade affair. Through oh, taking on Gerringong in 18s reserve grade. In first grade, and if you know enough of the, as well as many of the Thoreau Butchers old boys as I do, uh, you know that's going to be a hell of a bus trip. It's going to be a hell of a day. I think Ashton actually put it perfectly when he spoke uh, about the, adding those extra fixtures to the day. It said, you know, for so many years, people have always said Gerringong's the Thoreau of Group Seven, and Thoreau's the the Gerringong of Illawarra. So as far as getting this this game up and running for the first time the inaugural year, there's probably not two better teams. Uh, you know, to put to put into it because they'll embrace it and it's going to be fantastic. I certainly, uh, I'll be there for all three and I, I might be there for three grades afterwards as well. We'll see how we go. Well, we've been a bit impartial to karaoke over the years. We could volunteer to do the halftime show ourselves. Mate. We could do the halftime show. Exactly. What would you do down there at Gerringong? What would suit? Oh, I was going to say Holy Grail. Yeah, that's, Holy That's Grail. a bit more of an AFL song uh, historically. So yeah. maybe... You know, I can't quite reach Tina what's, what's Turner's my, notes. What's my scene? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, oh, simply, yeah the but... best, simply the best will get an absolute... Absolute go that day, has yeah. to. No, no, absolutely. Well, if I had a bang, bang the gong to spare, I would certainly give it to the two clubs and to Ashton and to Blake because I think it's a great concept and I hope it sticks because I think they can make, make a success of it. Just quickly before we wrap up, what, what's the one thing you want to see from the Dragons in the Charity Shield tonight? I want to see Kyle Flanagan have a good game. I want to see him go out there. I want to see him not try, not overplay his hand, not try to too, do too much, but go out there and show the experience he's got and be a measured... Uh, and good partner for Ben Hunt and the halves. I want to see Kyle Flanagan go well. That's I, what I'm hoping to see. I hope Tyrell Sloan has a really good game, particularly defensively, and get that bit of confidence into him early on in the season. Thanks to Wakeling Automotive, thanks to the Wollongong Golf Club and to Impact Garage Doors. This has been Saturdays in the Gong for another week, 8 to 10 a.m. The first hour live at 11.70 in Sydney and 15.75 a.m. SEN Track Illawarra. Enjoy your weekend.